0: This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler, Ryan Shumpert, and Jack Foster.
1: Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast. My name is Rick Butler, joined to my left, that is Ryan Shumpert, joined to my right, that is Jack Foster, and we're here back in the press box. It's late night, about 9 o'clock here in Knoxville. We are going to recap Tennessee's 45-14 win over UT San Antonio. But before we do, gentlemen, how are we doing? It's been a long day. It's been a good day back in Neyland Stadium. How are you all doing?
0: Doing well. Uh, that's about all I have. Yeah, doing well. Good, uh, good to be back for sure. My score prediction was really close, man. I
2: was Wait, almost what what on did it. you have? 41-17. Just needed a couple more field
1: goals to wow, get my way. you were way. close. Yeah, you were on it. Yeah, you were you were about right on the money there. Again, Tennessee wins by a score of 45-14, to 14, but guys, we're going to break this whole thing down, but it is kind of fascinating, right? Tennessee jumps off to a, a great lead there in the first quarter, and really in the first couple drives, I don't know what was being said in Tennessee's locker room, but I had to imagine that that is exactly what they wanted the start to look like, again, bouncing back from the loss to Florida. Things kind of I don't want to say spiral by any stretch, but there was certainly a lull there in the third quarter. Starting the second half, Tennessee was able to overcome that a little bit, but again, both teams scored 14 points in the second half to get us to our final score. Ryan, I'll start with you. Just kind of from a from a broad level, from a macro level, what would you kind of think about this game?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. And certainly it felt like, in some ways, a tale of two halves. Tennessee came out so sharp in this one, scored touchdowns. On its first two drives, its first five drives were four touchdowns and a missed field goal. Uh, so I think you saw a lot of what you wanted to see from the offense and the fact that it just came out and executed and was overall pretty sharp to start the game. And then defense was fantastic in the first half. That'll probably get overlooked, but they were really dominant. But at the same time, the second half, and particularly with the offense, uh, you saw them stall out night. You know, I said in our podcast on Thursday, kind of previewing into the game, that I wanted to see it. Tennessee avoid those extended offensive lulls and you know it wasn't as long as the lulls have been in some of the games this year but again two consecutive drives when Tennessee goes uh three and out and I think gets one first down and has to punt again so uh it was better in that sense but still not perfect and still to me at least it looks like an offense that has a lot of limitations right now
1: yeah no doubt about it before we start getting into a little bit more into the details the players the some of the drives Jack, what about you? What did you think? Just kind of broad standpoint, thoughts on this game?
2: Yeah, I thought the first half was, uh, you know, as good as you could have imagined it. Defense bounced back really well from last week. I thought Joe Milton made some pretty nice throws, and, you know, they ran the ball at will. Dylan Sampson was great today, and Jabari Small had a few nice runs as well. And, yeah, they just dominated, outright dominated in the first half. And then in the second half, UTSA kind of got that little spark With Owen McCown, you know, they made the quarterback change. I think that played a big part in UTSA's ability to kind of throw Tennessee's defense off on a couple of drives. But certainly Joe Milton was not as sharp as he was in the first half. Tennessee took a lot more chances downfield this game, and I actually liked that. I liked seeing that from Tennessee, but they didn't really work out there in the third quarter. And then once that lull stopped, Tennessee was able to put it back on the fourth quarter and win this by, what, 31
1: yeah, you know, you bring up a really good point right there, Jack. One of the one of the things that I was telling you guys about just while we were watching the game, right, Owen McCount comes in and, and, and relieves Eddie Lee Marburger right there at halftime. I told you guys while we were just sitting up there, and I I never played football at a very high level or anything like that, but I did kind of have the thought, hey, if I'm a backup quarterback entering a game, it's a thirty one point game, to me like this is kind of an ideal situation because you're maybe not coming in to win the game. Granted, they, they did get a, for, a few touchdowns on the board, but you can play loose, right? You Yeah, go out there it's a low-pressure spot. Yeah, absolutely. It's a low-pressure spot, and to me, that's what I really felt like was working for them, on, on the, especially those first couple of drives coming out of halftime. And again, it wasn't like they were breaking down any barriers or anything like that, but it looked like they were just playing a little bit looser, more free football. And to me, that was one of the things that I, I felt like made them give gave them the ability to at least start to make a comeback there in the game. Certainly, and it...
0: You know, Tennessee's issues, or maybe issues isn't the right word, but Tennessee's defense certainly plays a role in that. You know, it didn't seem like they were super sharp coming out of halftime, but you have to give UTSA a ton of credit. I mean, this speaks to how good Tennessee's defense was in the first half, too. But UTSA had four first downs in the first half. They converted four third downs uh, on the first drive (laughs) of the second half in 15 play, 75 your touchdown drive in seven and a half minutes. Yeah, yes. I, I believe multiple times in there they were really behind the sticks uh, with negative plays, including uh, you know it was essentially second and goal at the 17 yard line after Tennessee sniffed out a, a kind of uh, misdirection play. They faced two third and shorts in
2: a third in two third and sevens. So.
0: Yes, and. Uh, you know, the third they got it to third and three was a little screenplay, and then ran a nice little rub route, which was originally going to be called offensive pass interference, but the officials picked it up. So uh, credit to UTSA. Certainly, two bad drives from Tennessee's defense, but otherwise, I mean, it was a really dominant day for Tennessee's defense, and I, I wrote about it in my three keys going into the game that you wanted to see the Vols' defense force some turnovers after yep. they'd really struggled to do so the first three weeks of the season. They forced three, get two interceptions. One of them uh, caused by pressure, which I think is going to kind of have to be how this team forces uh, turnovers. Uh, And then Caleb Heron gets his first career sack, and it's a strip sack, and uh, the Vols jump on it. So a great day overall for the defense. Yeah, no, I agree. Three
2: turnovers is huge, and, you know, two picks. This is a defensive back unit we've talked about.
1: They don't really create turnovers, but today they did a good job of doing so. We're going to talk about the kind of the third quarter lull a little bit later on in the podcast. As always, if you want to go and see our instant reactions, you can go and check out Ryan and I on the Rocky Top Insider YouTube account. We did our stand up from the field, but Ryan, one of the players that I was really excited to talk about during that postgame stand up was Dylan Sampson. Just had a massive day on the ground for Tennessee. Let's see, he ends with 11 carries for 139 yards and two touchdowns. He also added one reception for 20 yards. Just a monster day for Dylan Sampson, especially. Bouncing back after not getting any touches last week, I, I to me, my breakdown of it was it was maybe a little bit of overreaction throughout the week. And just hearing in the press conference after, Dylan Sampson said, hey, look, I didn't take that personal because it wasn't, right? It was just kind of the way that things were going. Josh Eipel also echoed the same thing. But either way, he comes back out. He has a phenomenal day on the ground. Really just shows you all the all the different versatile, uh, versatile traits that he has in his toolbox. I saw somebody tweeting about it. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was... Maybe it was Dante Stallworth Jr. He tweeted out at one point, he said, man, that Dylan Sampson looks like another number six that Tennessee yeah. has seen on the field. I don't want to toot my own horn. I think I've maybe said that in the past. We don't know. No evidence of it, but I might have. What did you think about just Dylan, Dylan Sampson's performance on the ground tonight?
0: He was really good, and you saw him respond the way you would want to after, I'm sure he was frustrated at his lack of playing time last weekend. He's just a really dynamic player, and you saw that he was really elusive tonight in this one, and I don't think it's a surprise. We, we know Dylan Sampson's good. The, the question for Tennessee, the, the challenge for Tennessee, is finding a way to balance carries between he, Jalen Wright, and Jabari Small going forward, um, which is a, a good problem to have. I, I certainly think you know the bigger issue for Tennessee's run game is going to be run blocking going forward, especially as they go into SEC yep. play. Uh, but they've got multiple good running backs, Dylan Sampson, you know, maybe the most dynamic with his big playability. But, you know, obviously Jalen Wright, we've raved about him a ton on here over the last month. We're all all three of us really high on them. And then Jabari Smalls just so solid, has been so solid for Tennessee. And uh, as Jack said, to myself earlier uh, in the press box. He just does so many of the little things that don't show up on the stat sheet and don't show up to a casual fan well. So it's going to be a challenge for them to balance that running back room as it kind of has been to this point. But I don't think we'll see another game where Dylan Sampson doesn't play.
2: Yeah, how about this first stat? Dylan Sampson has 12 total touchdowns in his Tennessee career um, on 91 touches total. That's, That's catches and rushes. The next closest, as far as touch mark goes, Lowest touches to reach 12 touchdowns is a guy from the 60s who had 162 total touches to get wow. there. So Dylan Sampson's efficiency is just wild. Now, he hasn't had a lot of playing time because he's been playing third string to the other two, but when he's on the field, he's making an impact, and he's typically reaching the end zone, and we saw it tonight.
0: You know what that stat makes me think of? What's that? Blake Burke's freshman year home run stats. <laughs> yes. When he, was, he had like a home run every seven at-bats. Yeah, run. seven at-bats, something yeah. just insane like that. Yeah, yep. It's it's very similar. Uh, 12
2: 13, right in between 12 and 13% touchdown rate for Dylan Sampson right now in his Tennessee career. It's just jaw dropping. And we're going to write about that on Rocky Top Insider. But, you know, not to be forgotten, I think if Jalen Wright played as much as Dylan Sampson did tonight, if he wasn't dinged up, he probably would
1: have had a, a heck of a night, too. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. Let, let's kind of move over in the back of it a little bit. Joe Milton III, obviously a big talking point of conversation coming out of last week's game against Florida. What did you make of what Joe Milton was able to do on the field tonight? Again, let me find the stats for you. 18-31 passing, 209 yards, 6.7 yards per average, uh, and then two touchdowns passing. And then, boy, he broke out that 81-yard rush to, to to kick off the game in just an electric fashion. If Neyland Stadium had a roof, would have gone off after just about 10 seconds <laughs> into the game. I mean, he, he broke free. He turned on the Jets. So I didn't know if he was going to get it, but he certainly did. What did you think of just his overall performance and I want to talk about through the game because, again, really sharp in the first half, had a little bit of a lull there in the second half. What did you think of him?
0: He was solid. You know, he it, it came out the way you'd want, and certainly the touchdown pass to Ramel Keaton was a spectacular play. That's the type of play that's the reason someone in the NFL is going to fall in love with him and yeah. probably draft him at least at some point, um, but... You know, it, it just what stands out to me is what stood out to me the last couple of weeks, and it's that Tennessee's just not asking him to do a ton right now. It is a lot of short passes in a screen game, in the RPO game, and obviously you're asking him to do something in the RPO game as a quarterback. You have to make that read. Uh, but it, it, from a throw standpoint, from a progression standpoint, they're not making him or asking him to do a ton. So to me, that's what's fascinating. It just feels like they're so limited by his I don't know if it's necessarily him or the lack of trust in his ability to throw the ball in the intermediate. Yeah. But I just don't know how I see that progressing because they clearly don't have much confidence in him to do that. And unless you're just running the ball really, really well, you can't get by in SEC games just throwing it deep and throwing screen passes. Yeah,
2: I go back to that Squirrel-White play. Um, and Squirrel should have turned his head earlier and looked for the ball. It was the very first play of a drive. I think it was in the second half. was Easy touchdown. Squirrel would have caught it in stride and scored. No fans or buts about it. But the throw is definitely behind him, and, yeah, it's a little bit on Squirrel, but that's just another example of Joe not being able to complete those passes in the middle of the field, especially when someone's crossing the middle of the field. Yeah. He's, he's a little bit better on the sidelines, I think, but when someone's crossing the middle of the field, he's having a really hard time making those throws. And even on the deep throws tonight, I mentioned they did a lot more of that tonight. and he, he had a couple. The Ramel Keaton touchdown is the big one. They just weren't crisp. More times than not, they were just a little too long.
0: Yeah, underthrew Caleb Webb on the yep. third down to start the which, the second half, which would have everyone thought should have been pi, but it wasn't. Yeah, and, and, you know, it was a call that you know, like you could have gotten a pi on it, it wouldn't have been surprised, but you know, that would have stymied a lot of the bad third quarter or the momentum UTS they had in the third quarter, and I think right. probably would have flipped uh, the script a little bit that we have talking about the third quarter and how poor it was for Tennessee. So. Again, I talked to were a few times tonight, and it's hard to kill him for it because these things didn't happen. But times tonight where he just held the ball in the pocket, it's better defense lines. He's going to get sacked. He might get stripped. So I don't know. I, I don't want to, you know, there's plenty of people being very critical of Joe Milton. I don't want to hammer him after a win that he played okay in. But right. the, the limitations of what they're one, asking him to do, and some of the stuff, when plays break down, he, it just feels like there's some real shortcomings there.
2: I'll say, in the first 18 minutes of the game, he was lights out. Had two yes. incompletions, yeah, very good. 14 completions, you know, two touchdowns already. He was insane to
0: start. But they didn't ask him to do a ton either. This fair. Going back to what, I mean, the Rommel Keaton throw was really good. It was a good read on the Caleb, touchdown pass to Caleb Webb, which was about 10 yards. But of whatever, it was nine completions. Seven of them were less than five yards down the field. Easy reads, quick throws. Uh, cr- in stuff after the catch yes exactly which you know that's clearly what tennessee's offense predicated on and being accurate with those throws is key for them to be able to maximize the yards they can get after catch and i thought he did that uh but just kind of looking at it more in the macro big picture view
1: it's just going to be interesting to see how all well this plays out let's stick with the quarterback conversation just for a minute longer and this was a uh, really a topic of conversation i thought was going to go differently when i maybe woke up this morning and when i got to the stadium this morning but Nico Imaliava, he does not get to play as early as maybe Tennessee wanted him to play, and he certainly didn't play as early as the fans would have liked to have seen him play. We heard a lot on social media coming into the Rocket Top Insider accounts this week about how people wanted to see Nico Imaliava. People wanted to see him get some reps inside the game. I think that for Tennessee it's got to be a little frustrating that they maybe couldn't get him into the game a little bit earlier. It seemed in the first half like, hey, man, If Tennessee maybe even gets another touchdown on the board, this could be Nico's entire, you know, the entirety of the second half could be time for Nico to go in. That's just not the way it worked out. Guys, what do you think about just kind of that situation, how that unfolded, and kind of what's next
0: there? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the big disappointments in the third quarter is that you weren't able to get him in earlier because you came out so flat. I thought they probably could have gotten him in one possession earlier than they did Granted, that possession ended up being a two Dylan Sampson runs for 60 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was quick. Uh, it was quick, so it didn't necessarily end up you know, killing his playing time as a whole, but it's kind of hard to say. He didn't get to play much, out there for six plays total. Uh, Dante Thornton dropped, kind of derailed the first drive. They went run, run, quick sack uh, on the second drive. So uh, I don't, you know, for what's next for Nico Iopoliavo, we'll see how Joe Milton and Tennessee fares next week, and, and we'll have a better idea about that question, I think.
2: I felt like they threw it too much early in the third quarter. Uh, almost, if I'm the coaching staff and I'm up 31 0 at half, I have that in my mind that I want to see Nico play. And Joe was pretty good in the first half. Everything was firing on all cylinders. Why not get Nico extended playing time tonight and go with a more conservative approach in the third quarter? Take a bigger lead. You're running the ball at will, like I said. Just lean on that, and then maybe we could have seen Nico earlier. But yeah, didn't go Tennessee's way, and that's why he only played the last seven minutes of the game. So.
0: I thought they could have, you know, run. I had the same thought too uh, that they didn't run the ball a ton on those first two drives. The one thing that I'll just say to all of the wanting to get Nico playing time thing is, Joe needs playing time too, man. Sure. Like he needs, he needs yeah. as many reps and as much game action as possible. So it's it's tough to balance that. And certainly, you saw that from the game plan. They didn't want to just completely. I'm sure, ideally, you know, two drives for Joe, two good drives in the third quarter. They probably would make the. Moved to Nico, but they didn't want to, those to be drives where Joe doesn't do anything either. He just hands the ball off. So it's kind of a tough balancing act, but uh, certainly I think that was you know one of the disappointing parts of the ball's win.
1: Other takeaways from the game. What have we missed? What did you guys see? What did you guys want to talk about? Jack? Yeah,
2: just the injuries. Uh, Cooper Mays, once again, uh, great point. not on the inactives list, but does not play. Danico Slaughter, same thing, right? I did Correct. not see Danico yep. Slaughter tonight, so dating back to the florida game both those were out again we saw gerald Mincy return um and get time at both left and right tackle so he's back in the fold but just the injuries that happened tonight i mentioned jalen wright got a little bit dinged up ramel keaton crashed to the field on uh joe milton overthrow he laid out for it, but couldn't make the grab and you have to think you know maybe i don't want to speculate on anything but it looked kind of scary for him there, so we'll see what happens. He
1: face-planted the ground. Yeah, I don't know I if mean, that's my, what the injury I mean, thought would was, be
2: concussion. I'm no doctor, but, you know, don't want to speculate, of course. But that's something worth monitoring going into next week. So a couple injury notes there. His face
1: mask ate a lot of grass on that yeah. play. Yeah,
0: no, uh, it's a good point by Jack. You know, Heifel said he felt like most of those things were going to be guys that get back. I know it's gonna shock y'all to hear, but Joe or Josh Heupel will know more later. Yeah, no, he might not tell it to us later, but he'll he'll know more later. <laughs> the one I'd
2: keep the most eye on is Keaton. I yeah, think Wright so will be too. okay. And um, same with McCoy, I think he'll be Yeah, Brew. Yeah, he's yeah. I think he'll be fine. So. Yeah.
0: Uh those all seem precautionary, but you're right. The ramel Keaton play was just a scary play to watch. And
2: I'll add if Ramel is out, it feels like Caleb Webb is that other outside guy. We haven't seen Dante play out wide at all. He didn't have a good game tonight. Feels like Caleb Webb would be opposite Brew in that scenario.
0: It almost feels like Caleb Webb's Working his way into being Tennessee's fourth receiver, yeah. no matter what, you know Dante Fortin just continues to be a, a little bit underwhelming.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that a lot of it, you know, I, we you see the athleticism that that he has, you see the potential that he has. But I, I, even Caleb Webb, right, who's a redshirt freshman in this system, he's been in the system for a year now, right? So even a guy like that who who maybe has a little bit, I don't know how how to compare their talent. I, I think it's a little bit difficult. You haven't seen a ton on the field, but I do think that that you know Caleb Webb's just experience being in the system I think that that does prove valuable especially in a situation like this where you can just plug and play into a game and you can even wind up in the end zone yep. with a really nice catch right there
2: yeah I, I mean dating back to the spring I thought Caleb Webb played really well in the spring game and you know I didn't see much of fall practice but it really feels like he was always ahead of Leacock or Chaz Nimrods of the world and now if he can make that step and become a top four receiver for Tennessee that's really encouraging sign
1: yeah, certainly. And did, did Nimrod drop that pass or was it an overthrow? It was
2: It was a little bit of both. I mean, he could have like laid out for it, maybe caught it, and I think it hit his fingertips, but, I mean, it was a little. It, it would have
0: been and a really He sailed it far. Like, yeah, was a,
1: more on Milton. Than yes, Nimrod. I would agree. Yeah. Ryan, any other break, uh, breakdown thoughts from the game?
0: Uh, just a couple defensive notes. You know, we talked about how good they were in the first quarter, or the first half, uh, in those drives in the first half. There were four, three, nine total drives for UTSA. The last one was they took a need to take it in halftime, so really eight. Four three and outs, two turn, two turnovers on downs, an interception, and then, uh, uh, I can't remember what the other drive was, but UTSA only passed midfield one time. Duvall's mm. defense was really, really good. Tyler Barron, I thought, was consistently in the backfield. Caleb Herring, or excuse me, Elijah Herring, who wasn't fantastic last week at Ford. I don't think he was awful either, but... I thought he was really good in the first half, consistently around the ball, um, and, and certainly just an overall good performance from the defense. Tomorrow, McDonald had a nice pick; might have gotten away with a little bit of holding on it, but uh, <laughs> you know, play with a little yeah. physicality, you get away with a lot in
1: college. There was know. a there was a point in there in the first half where I looked down, and I mean, it looked like Tyler Barron had brought his his bed, his desk, <laughs> his TV. I mean, he had just he had made up his home yeah, in UTSA really backfield. Yeah. He, he he set up shop there and he and he lived there for for a good portion of the game tonight. Uh, Jack, what'd you think about that?
2: You know, Tyler Barron, he's had a really good season so far, and he was good tonight. I do have one final thought, and it's Jackson Ross. Now, he got a lot of fun oh, yes. for how he started the season tonight. <laughs> he was brilliant. Six punts, 266 total yardage. That's a 44 per punt average. As long as 52, two are over 50 yards, and three were down inside the 20. So a very, very good night from Jackson Ross. We've got a lot of work. Despite Tennessee scoring 45 points, I mean Tennessee had seven scoring drives and he punted six times. So that Tennessee just dominated tonight in time of
1: possession, and you know we got to see a lot of Ross. Jack, I told Ryan this during the video, but as just a, a pure football fan, as somebody who loves the sport of football, yeah. The whole ambidextrous punting thing yeah. fascinates me. <laughs> it's great, so fascinating. And Ryan made a great point during the game, and, and I think it's easy to tell. You know, you can you can kind of predict maybe which foot he's going to kick it with based on where Tennessee is on the field, going to the going to the strong side of the field. But man, it's just so fascinating to see what he can do, whether he goes left foot or whether he goes right foot. And you're right, man. They're they're really starting to connect now. I I, I, I don't I'm not a kicker. It's just fascinating to watch. It's, yeah. it's something you obviously don't see every day. And you don't expect to see every day either.
2: Yeah, and his punts are so low, right? They're hard yeah. to return. So if he's dialed in and he's got the right distance and just, you know, accuracy, then it's going to work even better
1: than it would, you know, a punt that's high in the air. And I haven't seen one from a TV. Well, I guess I've, I've gone back and watched a couple during the replays, but I haven't really seen one live on TV yet because we're, we're at each one of the games. It almost looks like a knuckleball type of thing, right? It, it looks like it's probably tough to catch because you don't really know which way that thing is rotating, spinning, yeah. going end over end.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's you know it's the whole rugby style. You run out, give it plenty of time for your gunners to get down there, kick a low, a low kick, and try to defend it well. So no, Jack, that was a good point. I brought it up on our uh, post game uh, show down live on the field. He was really good. Josh Turbeville, you know, he's continued to be for the most part really good since the opener. So uh, a lot of those Tennessee specialists that struggled earlier in the season are starting to find their uh, rhythm a little bit, and uh, we'll see how things continue to go. But uh, certainly, good, good kicking tonight from Tennessee. Ryan, any
1: other thoughts on the game? That's all I have. Same Jack, here. any other thoughts? No, I'm, I'm good. Did you guys see that bug that flew on me like 10 yeah. minutes ago? Yeah,
0: you were so overdramatic. Yes. Oh,
1: overdramatic. Yes, yeah. Yeah, entirely. That's the,
0: that's the Some word people, that both of you
1: would like to go with You're yes. overdramatic. you? Overdramatic? flipped yes. out. I don't like bugs. It was like a, like a tiny oh, little moth. <laughs> No Summer, such, first th- off, no such thing as a tiny little moth. That's a terrible statement. There, there's just that moths. was a it, okay, hold on. It, it flew, wasn't a moth. It was green. It I don't was know green. What it okay. was? See, it was an unknown animal. But I know it wasn't harmful. No, so. it could. You don't know that. You don't know if that. If you
0: had a camera filming us, people would be calling me a hero. For and then it, continuing it's not, my train of okay, thought is you. Also, you were dramatic when it came in,
2: flailing your arms. But then when it left, you had to take a moment to decompress <laughs> and put your hands over your face. <laughs> And lean back and like take a deep breath and get uh, yeah. over it. So, so not only did you flip out when it came in, it was like a 30-second delay for you to finally regain like yourself. It's like an inflatable
0: person at a, at a, at a car dealership <laughs> is what you look like.
1: And here I was uh, yeah. just continuing on my I'm point really, trying I'm, to... Like,
2: I'm like looking at Ryan's point, I'm like, what is he doing?
1: <laughs> Here's the thing, I didn't really care about Ryan's point in the moment. I was concerned about my own safety. I a, Did a bug oh. fly on you? Did a bug fly on you? No, it flew to me. It flew directly on me. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Thank you for powering through. That was really, I I really thought that was going to go a different direction. I thought you guys were going to be like, wow, Rick, you didn't even make any noise. That was incredible. Way to go. That was a scary situation. No? No? no.
0: Not at all. And I am someone who will be easily scared by bugs, but that bug was
1: so far away from scary. I I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it, didn't know what it was. And I don't even want to sound like a wuss here, because I'm not. I need that to be known. No, 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 I need that to be known. I know I can't have the people out there thinking I'm a wuss, but none of us like bugs, so I think that there will be people who are empathetic towards my situation. Reach out to me on Twitter. Please. Don't
0: be empathetic to the situation. Please be empathetic. There's no need to be empathetic. We, we need to get out of here. Yeah, we need this to get ridiculous. out of here. This is, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in today. We are happy to bring you the RTI Press Pass Instant Reaction after each and every Tennessee football game. Right now we're here overlooking a a very dimly lit Neyland Stadium as the lights are off, they're closing down the field, they're closing down the stadium. But we, well, we're going back to work. You can check it all out on rockytopinsider.com. You can also go to rockytopinsider on each and every different social media account at rockytopinsider, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. Otherwise, if you want to follow Ryan, you can do that at rshump00. If you want to follow Jack, you can do that at jackfostermedia. And if you want to follow myself, you can do that at Butler. That's just RIC, no K like the nature boy himself. But otherwise, guys, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Tennessee gets their third victory of the season in four weeks, 45-14 to over the U- uh, UT San Antonio Roadrunners next week. It's going to be a big one. Everybody comes back to Neon Stadium. We will be back here. 101,000 people will be back here inside the stadium for a big revenge game on the mind. Any other kind of any other quick thoughts just on that upcoming South Carolina game?
0: Yeah, not a ton. Uh, it's going to be a huge game for both teams. South Carolina's in a close one with Mississippi State tonight. Either way, they already have two losses on the season. Tennessee, obviously, desperate for a big win after the Florida loss. So, going to be a lot of pressure on both sides. going to be a big game for both teams. And uh, it feels like it'll be, win or lose, it'll kind of be a, a turning point in Tennessee's season.
1: Gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up for us. Thank you so much for Jack Foster, for Ryan Shumpert, I'm Rick Butler. You've been listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast.